You know who I am. You weird son of a bitch. Okay. Wow. Go on. Wow, that was fun. Okay. <laughs> um, all right. So uh Mr. Derek Sitter, welcome. Thank you for for uh meeting with me. Um Of course. My pleasure. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Okay. Um so uh as you can see, um I wanted to start out with Bug Tussle, um, because that's what's kind of happening right now. I mean, you just uh got back you're in Oregon again. Uh, you're at home in Oregon, um, but you were in Atlanta uh recently. Yep. Um, um if you don't mind, let's let's uh let's dive right into um what's going on with Bug Tussle. It's obviously uh winning an, an incredible amount of awards. Um and what the the latest award. Um, best dark comedy at uh well I, I'm, I'm gonna give you the floor um tell, tell me all about it <laughs> so well it was at um <clears throat> atlanta after dark film festival okay um and it's part of the uh, film festival circuit that uh, i think they have about mm, 32 festivals across the country and they were also the Oregon Short Film Festival. So it's not necessarily the same people, but they are the same um, organization. And <clears throat> we're always in Atlanta. We were, we were at uh, Southern Shorts Awards, which was also in Atlanta. Uh, I've been there before at uh, live events. This past year was a, a virtual event. Um, and I think we wrapped up three or four awards there um, at the Southern Shorts. And then um, went to Atlanta after dark with, you know, no real expectations. I just love traveling, going to film festivals. Wow. And I was spending a week checking out Atlanta, checking out the market, checking out you know, even home prices, think things about maybe a possibility of moving there. And went to the festival that day and... Um, Yep, they uh, they uh, called Buck Tussle. And the, the funny thing, um, <clears throat> and this goes along with pretty much my entire career, is uh, a lot of, a lot of the times you don't you don't submit your categories. You just submit, and okay. usually the category is short film. Um, sometimes more genre specific film festivals, you know, they'll, they'll ask you what category are you submitting in? But, uh, it's, it's interesting that regionalism exists so much and particularly in the States that you could watch Bud Tussle in Texas, which we were there, um, And it was a, it was a dark. Uh, no, it, it was a comedy in Texas. In Atlanta, it was a dark comedy, and in Oregon, it was a dark drama. 
So the the response, the reaction of Bug Tussle, and it was similar with Tutu Grande as well, is all over the map. And I actually love that because it's it's been kind of a constant with the, within my work in my career is particularly in the film industry, not so much in the theater, but in the film industry is people need stereotypes. People need prototypes. They need labels. So they know where to place things. I never fit into any of them. Like I was just a, I was just an actor from Oklahoma. It was a little wild, a little crazy. Find out a little later. He's a little bipolar. Um, but the the energy of the <clears throat> the work, uh, the influences of the work, you know, um, I I've never genreified anything in my life. You just you just trust a vision, yeah, and you execute it. And yeah, I think I probably am a little aware that some of my stuff's a little outrageous. Sometimes uh, I, tr as much as I try to avoid sentimentality, um, there's, uh, I'd like to think it's more, it has always has some heart and some passion behind it rather than wallowing in sentimentality. But with Bug Tussle, <clears throat> it, you know, the response is uh, all over the map. Yeah. It's it's fascinating to me how different because some people <clears throat> literally love Buck Tessel and others absolutely hate it. I'm like, okay. But you mentioned that you try to avoid sentimentality. What what do you mean by that? Well, <clears throat> there's a lot of, um, and particularly with the influences, particularly the writing influences. Um, you know, there's a lot of, you know, uh, cinema and theater. <clears throat> uh, and I would even say novelists uh, that really dive into sentimentality and try to tug on the heartstrings. And um, in, that that goes with, you know, not only maybe the performances, but, you know, the the very uh, melancholy down design and they're really just kind of sucking you in looking for a tearjerker type moments you know some are just genuinely heartfelt and you you end up crying but there are a lot of filmmakers that and playwrights and directors that really look out go go after that they they want to be a little heavy-handed at tugging on the heartstrings well, there's some moments in pretty much all my work where there's a potential for that. And I so hate it that I, 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 I want you to empathize. I, I, I want you to be invested into the characters. But some of probably most of the influences I have towards the writing portion uh, are playwrights. And some of my favorite playwrights uh, are, you know, um, Sam Shepard, of course, um, David Mamet, um, Martin McDonough, Edward Albee, the, uh, Harold Pinter. Um, the, they're, they're the perfect examples of avoiding 
sentimentality and how they do that. And it's, 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 it's not necessarily a story device. I just think organically they, they understand that, oh, I know this is probably a moving moment that they've written. It's probably quite heartfelt, but right at the moment where it may seem to be a tad heavy handed, they'll insert some comedy or something random or something irreverent that just takes you out of that. Like I've accomplished what I've done. Now we're going to move on where other times I see directors just wallow. And let's just say it's, it's, it's a, a funeral and everybody's very moved and you'll see them, you'll hear the music and you'll see all the It's just, and it's so manipulative and it's just so, and I, I shut off as a viewer. I just shut off. I'm like, oh, just take me out of this. But what, like McDonough's brilliant at it, particularly in Banshee, Banshees of Inna Sharon, but his, his plays like Pillow Man and um, Beauty Queen of Lanane and uh, almost all of his work, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, he, he knows when things are, and Sam Shepard was great at it too. They they know when things are potentially moving, but they're not going to wallow in the the sentimentality of uh, the circumstance. And it's important, I think, to uh, avoid that. Yeah. And it's kind of like Shepard said, Shepard had opportunity in all of his work where things could have been written and ending um, to where it's quite, quite moving and it's quite tidy at the end. But he, he never did that because he always says he prefers beginnings and new beginnings. And that's how I always love to like, when I start thinking about wrapping up a film or a story uh, even if I'm directing a play, I'm going to wrap this up as a new beginning, perhaps a little hope along with some tragedy or some comedy, what, what, whatever it is. Um, and like True West is a perfect example. You know, it could have been, um, it, it's so ambiguous how he ends the, the play where the two brothers just staring at one another, not knowing exactly what their future is. And it's it's ideal. And if you look at McDonough, it's uh, if you've seen three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, the whole objective from Frances McDormand was to, you know, catch her daughter's killer. But when you get to the ending and no spoilers, but if you get to the ending, she she never accomplished that goal whatsoever, even though that ended up being the plot of the film. Um, But what she they did accomplish in the ending to me, it was much more profound. And same thing with Banshees of Inna Sharon. It, it was much more profound ending and ambiguous, but more importantly, I think a new beginning. And I think that's why uh, I like to think of it as uh, absurdity, particularly from theater of the absurd, that that when you look at like work of Edward Albee, uh, he does the same thing. And if you look at the work of Steven Spielberg, it's profoundly different because he's always tugging at your heartstrings. Oh. And I find it manipulative. I don't, I, I, 
I, I think they know exactly what they're doing. They're they're master craftsmen. They 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 just tell stories, wrap them up in tidy little packages, and tug on your little heartstrings to make sure you have a happy little ending. And you know that work just doesn't interest me. So. Yeah, they kind of get you with the the music. They they really do. But um... yeah, you know, there are always the little children involved and the teary eyed, and you know, it's just it's 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 fine. If that it's just not my thing. New, be- it's the new, it's the new beginning thing that I that I love so much. And Shepard had quoted, he was quoted saying that in an interview, and <clears throat> and in fact, it's actually in the dialogue of True West. I haven't where read uh, because one of them's a writer. Okay, and these he says, um, uh, oh, I. They're both very intoxicated, I think, in the third act. And and the writer says, oh, uh, uh, I love, I can't remember which one says what, but, but this one says, I, uh, I love beginnings because the more, I think the morning sun was coming out. And the other one says, I always preferred endings myself or something like that. Or it, it but that was a through line through all of his work. That well, along with his father, of course. And yours too. I mean, Bug Tussle, I'm I'm not gonna spoil the ending, but the ending is totally a new beginning. Yeah, I mean, you have no idea what's gonna happen with Crow. You you just don't you're like, okay, you know, anything could happen. Um Oh yeah, it it yeah. it I mean it's an ending for yeah. sure, but it's not tidy. Um where we know exactly what happened and here's the end thank you for watching it's 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 you don't i i think i think all great stories and i'm not saying my stories are great but i think all great stories leave you know and and i'm not saying leaving open for a sequel I'm saying they leave it open for the viewer or the reader to let that journey continue with their own experiences and references. And I think it's probably different for everybody who watches it. I've I've been with people who've asked me uh, what happened at the end. And I just always said, what do you think? <laughs> I mean, that that's the ending what do you think and I, there was i remember one guy said he said something uh to me said well he heard the silent signal i'm like certainly a possibility and i was i was even proud somebody picked that up because that was very specific dialogue um but yeah I, I, it, it is crow story one and you had to have crows through through line from point A to point B. And what happens at the end is crows still crow story. Yeah. And you have when you write anything, it's it's character in conflict. And if you look at Crow, um he he's in a good amount of conflict and obstacles and 
koi being the biggest one. Yeah. Yeah. But in, in storytelling, and fundamentally, it's it's pretty simple. But within the story, uh, I ho I'd hoped to reveal a great deal about who these people were. And then when you always, when you start thinking about an ending, sometimes I have an ending before I have a beginning. But, and I never really know. Sometimes I look back at endings when I've written something or directed something, look back on it, and I have no idea where it, where it came from. To this day, I probably don't know why I wrote that. But I know it wasn't in the original. Oh, okay. The original being the Koi and Crayote. <laughs> well, I, it, you know, this, this story's been around for a long time in my head. I think the first time I, we, I was doing a showcase in Los Angeles and uh, uh, it was all, it was about six of us. Uh, everybody was doing a um, one man, you know, six seven minute um performance and i preferred to do a scene so i wrote this short five minute scene called poncho and lefty <clears throat> and um it was very it was same circumstance trapped in this barn and then um that was it with with that but many years later, um, we were doing another one of those 72-hour uh, film challenges. And I'm like, oh, I have a script. And so we went and found a location. And I cast one of my students. And I think we did that in two shots. And that was uh, Cody No Crow. Then it stuck, stayed in my computer forever. But uh, I, I'd actually I'd written a full-length feature of Poncho and Lefty, and the uh, of course the Crow character was Poncho. He was uh, Hispanic. Um, and then eventually. Uh, it turned into um, this 20-minute uh, 20 20 short, which is just the ending. There, I, I, I tried to put as much history and backstory of each character in the dialogue and in the performances as I could in the 20 minutes, but there's still a whole lot you don't know how they got in this situation to start with. And that's Amp and Darlene, and there, there's there's... There's the, the 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 gambling, the uh, the you know the cockfights. I mean, there's there's a lot that led them up to this point. That there's a, there's a lot of story there. Yeah. So you know, it still may end up being a feature. Well, that would be cool. Um, when are uh, people going to be able to? I mean, is it going to stream at some point? Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. The festivals. Um, um, Tutu Grande was in festivals forever, and I think it's still in festivals. Um, because I get hit up and people asking me, directors ask me, Hey, can you please submit Tutu Grande? and they give me a, a waiver code, and I'll say, Sure. 
in fact, we were just in one in uh, Berlin. And, um, but it's usually a couple of years. Okay. Uh, in the festival circuit, uh, depending on how successful it is. Um, I think Buck Tussle's too long for a lot of festivals. Um, 20 minutes is really pushing it. Now, for short film festivals, 20 minutes is more acceptable. Um, I judge film festivals, so when I see a 20-minute short, I just I go, okay, it's going to be good. Because uh, it's 20 minutes. Okay. You know, there's a five-minute shorts they're you know they're micro shorts they're mid-length shorts you know 20 minutes is a long short uh 30 minutes is a really long short um but if you're if you're submitting to film festivals uh what's interesting some especially some of the bigger ones you because I understand, I've been going to festivals since you know the '90s, and and the one thing that I've I've noticed that particularly with short films, if you're going into some of the bigger festivals, uh, sometimes a short will begin a block of right before a feature. So a five to ten minute short fits in there perfectly to screen prior to a feature. Because, you know, they get so many submissions, they only have so much time throughout the festival to screen these films. And some of these festivals screen your film three or four times throughout the weekend. So you're traveling to different theaters watching your film and doing the Q&A. A 20-minute short is hard to fit because it's a lot of time because some festivals only uh, have so much time. Right. So... They they may not even watch it. They may see the twenty minutes and go, yeah, no, not enough time. Um, and so you so you have to be really really aware, particularly in the, the circuit. But when to answer your question is when we start when I start getting uh, more selections or more rejections, I'll get more of an idea of how long. Buck Tussle will be in the circuit before it goes public because it's usually uh, required that it is not public. Uh, and they love premieres. They love premieres in their own city. They love uh, premieres uh, in their own state, perhaps. And if you're public anywhere, YouTube, Vimeo, Amazon, Netflix, wherever, you're you're immediately declined because you're public. So you just you just give it time and wait. So yeah, so it could be a couple of years. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's still a lot of festivals we're waiting because uh, some festivals, uh, you know, may have two a year. There are some that are actually monthly. There are some that are quarterly. Um, so the ones that are like once a year, they have one festival, four days, uh, a year, a Thursday through a Sunday. So you're still waiting on 
the selection for the 2023 festival. And they, the notification date may not be till June, may not be till October. So I don't know. So I just, I can't until I get the rejection or selection, I can't go public. Because nice. it's an immediate rejection as soon as they find out you're, you're, you're public. Okay. Okay. Um, so I think uh, a great through line um, for everything is, uh, you know, with, with your films, with all of them, I think the biggest through line that, that I can see is that you're writing about people that are, you know, they're obviously at the bottom Crow and Coyote are certainly, um, they can't, they, they, there's, there's no way out for them. You know, I mean, maybe with Crow at the end with, uh, you know, again, I don't want to do the spoil, spoil it, but, um, you, you don't kind of know what he's going to do at that point, but I don't know, for me, I kind of assume that he's going to continue. I don't, I don't, I don't know that he's going to be able to get out of trouble. What is it, you know, about broken people? Yeah, broken people. There you go. That's a good. Yeah. That's, that's it. Broken. That, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's that's not only as an actor, uh, <clears throat> and director, and writer. Yeah, that's always what I'm attracted to. Um, I find them the most interesting people. Uh, um, uh, even. You know, even when I was in 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 college, you know, those were the characters I, I I wanted. I wanted to dive into these broken human beings, <clears throat> and I think and I and I think I don't necessarily think uh, of theme when I'm writing or directing. I certainly am aware that it's there. But story's king. I, 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 I try to tell the story. But for me and my approach is because I'm an actor and classically trained as an actor, I'm always approaching it through a character study. And for me, <clears throat> probably because where I grew up, or I should say where I was born, uh, in Oklahoma, and the people that I was surrounded by in small town Oklahoma. Um, <clears throat> then eventually, uh, <clears throat> regardless of my uh, experiences, uh, eventually, when my when I became aware that there was something wrong with me and other people have always known there was a little something off and the word there were there words like edgy and crazy and you know my nickname and call it lsu was crazy d that's what everybody called me mm -hmm. uh and i took that with pride i was like yeah yeah i did right uh, and I still, at this point, I, I still do. Um, people, you know, that 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 term crazy in a good way, you know, whatever that bullshit means. But 
to me, and it will always be a through line, is, and there's that, uh, you know, everyone has a story. Yeah. And I always like to think of it like, if you read a headline online on some news site of what occurred in Bug Tussle, it would tell you zero about who these people were. They're only going to mention the crime and the crimes committed. They're never going to explain their story. I'm always interested in people that you that, and I still I still see it every day. That you could be walking down the street, and you see the guy who who uh, clearly got something going on. He may be talking to himself. He may be you know. To, twitching you know there's something and people will make a point to avoid them whereas i think i'm the guy that's going to go out and say hey man how are you yeah how can, how can i help you what's going on today because i, I understand them and yeah. i want to know how i can help and i've always been that way since i was a kid yeah 